What's up, my little mistakers and new listeners? You're here for the Humor in Mistakes podcast, a podcast created by two comedians who have made and continue to make a lot of mistakes. I'm Donovan McNeil, and each week my co-host Andrew Gleason and I have a guest on our show who has made mistakes in the past, and we want you to laugh at them. We hope that by doing that, you'll learn that mistakes are okay and not be so afraid to make them. So go out and make a mistake, little mistakers. Our guest this week is fellow comedian Kari Reed, and we discuss how impulsive he used to be as a young kid and how it got him into trouble. Well, Kyrie also had a fiance who suddenly died. So if you mix the grief that comes with such a monumental loss with being impulsive, it wasn't a great combination. So this story is about how Kyrie eventually was able to look himself in the mirror and say, I'm not dealing with this grief appropriately and get his life back together. So take a listen to this episode. It's a great one. You can learn a lot, little mistakers. Thank you for listening. What's up, my little mistakers? Welcome to the Humor in Mistakes podcast. I don't know when you're listening to this, but it is obviously 2020. And the reason I'm saying that is this is the first episode we're recording in 2020. I'm here with Karee Reed. How you doing? I'm well. How about yourself? I'm doing well. And Drew Gleasy Gleason. Always here. Always happy to be here. Uh, what's up, man? I appreciate you guys having me here. Dude, I knew a little bit of your past. like, And by a little bit, I know that you're from L.A. and you're here. Mm-hmm. And I was like, he's going to be an interesting interview. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. Okay. You don't sound confident, but we'll make it work. So tell me a little bit about yourself. Like, if we were in the elevator standing together, like, how would you introduce yourself? Oh, man. I don't know if I'd do that in an elevator. <laughs> just like, you don't just talk to random strangers? <laughs> keep, keep myself in the elevator. You never know. You might be stuck with these people for a while. I'm not an elevator talker either. I need to change this question. I don't talk to nobody. I just look down at right, the ground. Right. Just wait to get off. Exactly. You know. Or when you see that person from high school you don't want to talk to, right? You gotta hide uh, right. behind the Walmart uh, bench or something. <laughs> uh, so a little bit about myself. I uh, I grew up both in Los Angeles and Baltimore. Uh, as a child, I grew up in Los Angeles, and then uh, my mother packed us up and moved us to Baltimore. Okay. And I lived there for I don't know fifteen years or so. Tupac or Biggie? You were you East Coast or West Coast? I'm, I'm Biggie. I okay. love Biggie. I okay. love Biggie. Uh, don't get me wrong, Pac is is one of the greats, but you know something about Biggie, man. Okay. Just get you out your seat and move. You don't have to think about what he's talking about too much. You know what I mean? You can turn off your brain. Right. Right. Just enjoy yourself. And then as an adult, I moved back to uh, Los Angeles, uh, and I spent the past well, 16 years there. And then I moved to uh, to the RTP about three years ago. Found a comedy scene here, and uh, and here we are now. Uh, what brought you to to RTP area? I got tired of living in LA. Just got tired of it. You know, uh, it's exhausting. I was doing comedy out there, and it was just way too much. You know, get off of work at five and then drive for two hours somewhere to maybe get a spot. But it was just a lot going on, and uh, <clears throat> and so I was looking up positions in my company. Uh, it's a national company, so I was looking up positions and. Something popped up in Mooresville, North Carolina. I was like, oh, where's that? <laughs> and I was like, oh, in North Carolina. That was always somewhere like our family went to in the summer. 
you know, yeah. visit like cousins on a farm somewhere. So, you know, I looked it up. I was like, yeah, it seems like it, it could work. And it's so, a chill place. It is now for me. It oh. took some getting used to. Okay. Uh, North Carolinians are are different folk. Uh, <laughs> How so? I haven't found all that ho- southern hospitality I've been hearing about. Uh, <laughs> well, it, well, it depends on your skin color. Like, you got to read the fine print when it says uh, southern hospitality. Well, well, especially black folks. Like, they have the least amount of southern hospitality. I really? Find out, in my experience. Okay. Least, uh, I find out I don't have an accent. So, I've discovered people in North Carolina tend to really like to know what they're dealing with. Okay. So with me, I don't have an accent. You know, they can't tell where I come from, my history, just by looking at me. I've been I've been asked if I'm black by oh. black people. Okay. And I'm obviously black. Uh, both my parents are black, so. You know, that's true. I like to put a cup of sweet tea on the table, <laughs> and if you don't sip it, then my whole demeanor towards you is different. Like. I won't rightfully outwardly right. uh, treat right. you wrong, but deep down, right. there's some prejudice. You're judging. There's You're a, judging. Yeah, yeah, there's some prejudice. Yeah. What if they have diabetes? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I need like, a change. You are going to wreck your body, or <laughs> I'm not going to be your friend. Right. right. I need to uh, figure out a way to incorporate diabetes into the test. Like, <laughs> Wilfred Brimley, you, you would never you be diabetic? your friend. Yeah. No, nah, yeah, he ain't from right here. <laughs> and put like a, what's what's something southern that isn't won't mess with the diabetic? Like how can there's I test? Nothing. It? There's nothing that's southern <laughs> that doesn't harm you. You know, like <laughs> you know, it's like Bojangles. They yeah. have it all at Bojangles: deep fried chicken, uh, sweet tea, and diabetes. That's that's all on the menu there. Ooh, hypothesis: you can't be southern and diabetic. <laughs> I mean, the two end up. To one another. It's an unhealthy place to live for a diabetic. <laughs> yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, but yeah, North Carolina is interesting. I'm, I'm loving it now, now that I understand it. You know, coming from L.A., things tend to stay open forever if they do close, you know. Or, uh, you know, here I had to get used to things closing down. <laughs> like Biscuitville? I didn't know they, like, close at, like, noon. Like, they, don't, <laughs> they, they don't stay open the rest of the day, you know, or... Uh, Target here was closed on Easter. Oh, know? nothing closes in LA. No, never. You can go to banks on Sundays. Okay. No, yeah. sh- shout out to Target for. Uh, I had to get a Christmas present at eight o'clock Christmas Eve, mm. and they were open. Yeah. So Target came through for me this Christmas, but That'd be a good sponsor for the show. Things close, man. Things close <laughs> at nine o'clock. Yeah, that's like the cutoff, especially around whatever, like uh, Cary and like the more suburban neighborhood places. Mm-hmm. You should give an ad spot to Target. Like, what would you say right now if you were, like, doing an advertisement for Target? Uh, they just helped you out. Give them an advertisement. I can't go with my first. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Target has a, a great uh, food court. They always have a nice place for food and uh, also athletic wear. I always see very fine athletic wear when I'm at Target. Uh, things like Wick. The things that wick your sweat, uh, what, what are those called? They're like the pants that wick your sweat away. Uh, I don't know, yeah, I don't know, okay. I don't know either. Yeah. Uh, we're, see, this is a challenge. I'm gonna put you on the spot for the 
rest of the podcast. Allison noticing a deficiency. You're 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 bad with marketing and coming up yes. with slogans. So we're gonna put you on the spot every okay. single episode. Okay. Um, and have you come up with the slogan? Okay. All right. Um, good swivel technique. I'm working on yeah, it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Andrew has called me out on I when I don't talk into the microphone. So that's my uh, thing I'm working on now. Yeah. And uh, Andrew's working on marketing. Yeah. Uh, what are you working on? Like, what's your? Are you working on anything of self improvement? A little bit of everything. Okay. A you bit. know, uh, I started recently self-identifying as a six foot five white man with perfect credit. So <laughs> I've been I've been discovering I've been living my best life. Yes, it's it's a good life. I should have done this years ago. Just put it on the application. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want there to be any confusion. Yeah. So you know, <laughs> if they call you on it, they're racist, especially <laughs> right. if they haven't met you in person. They're on the phone like he does not. I can't say this. He does not sound black, but I, he does not sound white, but I cannot say it. Yeah, I guess this year I don't make a lot of resolutions. Okay, but you know, I just want to continue to improve on myself, uh, work out some of my laziness. Okay, that's one of the things. I try to get on stage more. You know, so the days off, practice a little bit. I have my favorite mics, I obviously like to do, but I shouldn't rely on just going to that one or two mic. I need to get out a little bit more. Okay, so things like that. All right, you know, that's good goals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Simple. Attainable goals. I don't plan on losing any weight. I don't want to quit smoking. You know? <laughs> Not going to lie to yourself. Right, right. right. You know, yeah. I wouldn't mind getting that third digit in my credit score, too, this year. <laughs> yeah, working on it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there are, yeah, I feel like at the beginning of every year, there are a number of people that just lie to themselves. Oh. And oh. I think setting obtainable goals is perfect. Oh, man. I've. I remember one one New Year's, I partied so hard, I went and joined AA, like, the next day. That <laughs> <laughs> lasted, like, three days. I was like, I can't do this. Yeah, this is not for me. <laughs> and I would hear their stories, like, man, you guys really need a meeting. I'm, I'm just, I just had a bad night. But <laughs> you guys really don't need to be drinking. Like. <laughs> so what's it like uh, moving around? Like, uh, having, you say you were a kid, you had to move, then you moved back here, then you moved back to L.A. Yeah. Uh, how, what's it like moving? And It becomes like a lifestyle for me, you know, kind of hard for me to settle. Um, for instance, I, I did the math. I think I lived in 20 different places in Los Angeles, like in, in the 16 years I was there. You know, all in like the valley or like all over, all over L.A. County from yeah. from Hawthorne to Pico Rivera to the valley. You know, 10, 12 of them were in the valley. You know, um, I just pack up and, and move, you know, at the drop of a dime or this, that, the other. So that's one of the challenges I've been facing here. Um, I'm working on buying a house. And that's a big commitment because you can't exactly like just fuck it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Like I'm done with this. You know, I'm out. You know, no, you got 30 more years of payments, homeboy. You got to. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's a challenge, you know, and um, I think I'm at that age now. Where I'm, I, I don't have that many more moves left in me. You know, when I was younger, it was like. Well, you don't want to go back because uh, you'll get burnt to a crisp. Where? L.A. Oh, why? Because it's so hot? Because it's on fire. It's always on fire, though. It's always on fire. I mean, you know, LA's always flooding. California's always flooding. It's on fire. There's an earthquake. That's so y'all, are did you guys hear it? about yeah. the earthquakes? They got hit with like nine of them in yeah. a week. Yeah, it happens. It they happens. say the big one's coming. It very well. Well, it already happened in Northridge uh, a few years. If it gets any bigger than that, yeah, we're in LA's and California's in trouble. 
Man, when I was thinking about moving out there, I was having dreams about that shit. I don't fuck with Mother Nature, man. It's something I remember my first when I first moved back as an adult. I remember the earthquake that almost had me move. Uh, I was in bed and all of a sudden I heard a boom. And I was like, what was that? I thought it was an accident. And then he just heard the earthquake coming. <laughs> and then everything fell off the shelves. And I ran out the house into the middle of the street, like in my boxers. <laughs> like, the earthquake! Earth! Like, nobody knew. And I was the only one affected by it. And I remember waking up the next day and asked my roommates, like, do y'all feel that? Like, no, they didn't feel anything. I, I wanted to move. You know. They're scary, man. I remember here. I thought we got hit by an earthquake because I was like laying in bed watching Netflix, and all of a sudden my house started shaking. But it was just my overweight neighbor. <laughs> <laughs> you should move then. <laughs> if your fat neighbor is causing earthquakes, you might want to move. <laughs> you got to coordinate y'all schedules better. Like <laughs> it was scary. Texting me before you leave the house. Right, right. I grabbed my niece and everything. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, so uh, yeah, being a nomad, I, I consider myself a nomad, and so there's some good and some bads to it, you know, relationships wise. Like, you know, I, I broke up with a woman just for like cleaning my apartment. I was like, no, that's you've gone too far. You know? <laughs> so, too many, too much, too many changes. Right. right. So uh, that commitment thing is hard because you have to plan your whole life around something like it's now permanent. Permanent is hard for yeah, me. Yeah, 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 yeah. Thinking about buying a house, but even, you know, it wasn't until I got here to Durham and now I'm being priced out of apartments. You know, it's like, well, I might as well just buy a house. You yeah. know, um, and really it's just because I want to save money. You know, at this point, it's like you could, I could buy something, you know, hopefully and, and, and pay half of what I'm paying right now. So we'll see. But uh, I think about that quite often. What someone told me about a house is that you can always rent it out, pay your mortgage, and go live somewhere else. So I was like, that that le- relieves some stress. Like it's not it's not that it's easy to rent it right, out, but right. you have an option if you just like get sick of living right. there. So yeah. I was like, all right, I, I can maybe do a house one day. And there's options. And now you know, when this generation of homeowners, it's a lot different than when I was growing up. People bought a house, and that was going to be their house forever, and then it was handed down to their kids. Now these people are buying their first house. They already know they're going to have two or three houses yeah. in their lifetime. So houses aren't as much of a commitment as they used to be. You know, uh, generally you would your grandmother, or your grandparents would have a house. It would be handed down, handed down. I got hit with that realization like two days ago. I was watching something and uh, they were talking about houses and uh, they threw out the term asset. I was like, damn, people view houses as asset. Right. That's right. something that you own that contributes to your overall net worth. And I think that's part of the whole marketing scheme in the real estate now, um, especially look at areas like, like around here where you have, well, let me say that I was in South Carolina. I was in Greenville, South Carolina. And I had never seen houses that big in my life. Like, I mean, even coming from L.A., I had never seen the ridiculousness of, of house building until I got down there. And I think it's because there's an influx of people moving from Connecticut, New Jersey, New York, California, and are working in South Carolina. And, you know, they're used to having three-quarters of a million-dollar house. But in South Carolina, obviously, you can probably get a lot of bang for your <laughs> buck. And, I mean, I see houses. You see I thought that was the house. That was the guest house over the garage. The house was, I mean, there were compounds, compounds down there. So, 
but you're right. People see it as an asset, you know, thinking, okay, if anything happens, if, you know, marriage goes awry, then I got this million dollar in equity, you know, that I can rely on or something. So who knows? Who knows? I hate that you got to pay for that motherfucker. Like, With the house? Yeah, because, like, <laughs> it, it stresses me out because, like, if my boss is ever tripping, that's in the back of my mind. It's, like, it's another reason why I can't go, like, you tripping. Fuck you. <laughs> like, I got I got 25 more years of payments. Like, I think it's a, it must be a black thing because that was the first thing I thought about when I was, like, buying a house. Like, I can't go off with my boss no yeah. more. Like, right now, I rent. Like, yeah. I, hey, look, I, I'm out. I'm out, dude. You know, yeah. but... I paid off my student loans and I lasted <laughs> another three months at my job. I was like, I, I, I don't have any more. I really don't have any more bills like Nothing that. Like, like, yeah, man. Yeah. I, I was gone three months later after I paid off my student loans. I was like, fuck you. <laughs> I'm out. All right, so you moved around a lot. Talk. Tell me a little bit about doing comedy in L.A. because it's a huge pond. Yeah. And how did you deal with those stresses of being in that huge pond? Uh, I was naive, I think. That's how I survived. And as I got more into it, the less I wanted to do it. Stand-up comedy is the lowest rung of entertainment. You know, especially in... It's different here, you know, where stand-up comedy... It's a, it's a real... It's a real genre here. You know, people want to be stand-up comics. Uh, in my opinion, out in, in L.A., people go out there to become stars, however it is. And in stand-up comedy, they can get stage time. In stand-up comedy, they can be doing something. You can't always be acting. Yeah. You know, it costs money to act. It costs money to get headshots. It costs money to do auditions. It costs money not to have a job, to be ready all the time. Yeah, to have a coach so you continually get better. Right, right. Whereas stand-up, you could just do. So you get a lot of people, in my opinion, who don't necessarily want to be comedians, but want to be in entertainment. And they use stand-up comedy as a way of uh, <clears throat> sharpening their skills and getting better at whatever it is they really want to do. So you kind of had that out there. I learned a lot. I had a lot of fun doing it. Uh, and I had a buddy of mine at the time. He was doing it. And we would do it together. So if he was doing something, he dragged me along. If I was doing something, I'd drag him along. And that helped out a lot. But it got to the point where, I'll be honest with you, my favorite shows were the ones that I did outside of Hollywood. So if I did the comedy store, which I've done several times, uh, it was very nerve wracking. I was I would get physically ill to do it. And which uh, the belly room? I've done the let's see, the main room and upstairs. Is that the belly room upstairs? I think so. Yeah. I think the belly room is the one upstairs where the green room's like way in the back. Right. And then the main stage, which is the green room's right behind it, and. Um, I enjoyed the experience, but they're weird shows. You know what I mean? Like the bringer shows. So they would make you bring six people, you know, on a Wednesday night. So you'd have to convince six people to come out on a Wednesday night to come see you, go pay for parking and drive all the way into Hollywood. And then the shows were always like chaos backstage. You know, somebody only brought two people. So you're not going on. And, you know, it was just always chaos. And then I get up there. I remember one time doing the main room. There, There's a... They have like a, a neon light. That's the light. Well, the thing was flickering my whole time on stage. So I couldn't tell how much time I had. <laughs> and so I just, I was just like, I think I'm done. I don't know. And it just was, I don't know. I never enjoyed doing it as much in Hollywood as much as I did doing a fish taco place out in uh, uh, Sunset Beach. 
you know, or the VA hospital was like my favorite favorite room to do. They do like a once a month show there for the vets. And the VA hospital was always a great time. You know, wherever there were normal people, I'd enjoy doing it. And the ones in Hollywood, they would always have, before they let the people they've invited to, the comedians they invited, they would always have people who stopped in to do a set. You know, a writer for this show. All these writers would come in. They get to go up first. And then, oh, somebody's visiting. They get to come in. And then one time, like, Chris Tucker. I'll never not tell this story. Chris Tucker, like, right before I go on owner, it's like, hey, Chris Tucker's coming. And I'm like, okay. And all he did was walk back and forth for an hour. I'm like, what am I going to talk about? You know, that's <laughs> all he did. He told one joke for an hour. What I want to talk about? You know, he's just riffing. But he wasn't riffing. He was just. And you know. that's the thing about comedy. It's hard to plan around it because there are so many. Like, you never know how long a mic is going to go. Mm -hmm. So I bet in L.A. it's even worse. Like, it, there's different. There's a lot of factions out there, too. You know what I'm saying? There's this group of comedians <laughs> doesn't like this group of comedians. They don't respect this group of comedians. This room, no one should do, you know. And this this guy cursed out the wife of the comedy club owner here. So there's, there's a lot of rivalries. There's a lot of factions. There's a lot of jealousy. There's not a lot of, you know, very few people are going to, like, the way I saw it, it was like, okay, we're nobody, you're nobody. We're not really going to gel until one of us kind of kind of makes it, and then I'll get my crew together kind of thing, you know? Okay. So, what about, like, the bi-social comedians? They, like, fuck with two, three factions at once. Yeah. Can you float between them, or do people notice that? And is that frowned upon? I don't know, because I've always been a loner. Yeah. So I've never really been. I wasn't in any of the groups or any of the factions. Um I didn't quite commit to doing entertainment like some people did. You guys said some of these people moved out there mm -hmm. to be in entertainment. So they've changed everything in their life. I was a normal working Angelino. I just worked and just happened to do stand up for fun. But, you know, when you're committing to this, you left your hometown to come out here and people are living in their cars, living on people's sofa. They're going out day and night doing it. You know, they're working at the comedy club just to be able to try to do something, you know. So they're really committing to the lifestyle. I wasn't that committed. I was just having fun, just telling some jokes. So, uh, but I did notice it, you know, because I would ask. I actually would go around and ask, you know, hey, how do you do this? How do you do that? Mm. You know, uh, you come to find out there's nothing you should really ask. You just, I mean, maybe you should. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I wasn't good at it. Uh, by the way, I saw you used to have dreads. Is that, was that? <laughs> Where'd you see that? Somewhere was, on Facebook? I was just going on Facebook. <laughs> when was that? Oh, I've had dreads a couple times. This was before dreads were cool. Um, that's a funny story. I did not. The first time I got dreads, I went to get my hair plaited, not knowing anything about it. Spent like nine hours letting these little girls plait my hair. And I thought I was done. I thought you just plaited it and be done. They'd just be perfect forever. But then, you know, they get a little ugly. So I took the plaits out. I didn't want to spend another nine hours getting it done again. And it was like a like hundred bucks or something like that at that time. So I was like, nah. So then I was like, I wonder if I could dread them up. I had no idea what dread, like how to do it. And I just started locking them up myself. And then I started having dreadlocks. And I cut them 13 years, 12 years. Before I got the job I have now, uh, I was interviewing for, I finished school, I was like interviewing, people would like literally look at me and be like, because I didn't have pretty dreads, but mine looked like I just 
fell off the roster boat. Like I looked, <laughs> I looked, I looked like a madman. Like people would literally walk up to me on the streets of L.A. and ask me for drugs right right in front of my family. <laughs> like I looked crazy, you know. And uh, I was interviewing, and people were looking at me like, "This is not happening, yeah, buddy." It's not happening. So I cut my hair. I don't know if it's a coincidence. <laughs> I cut my hair in the next interview. I got the job. And so was this like, in the south? No, this, this is here? LA. Okay. This is LA. I mean, even for LA, I look crazy. Okay. You know, I mean, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and I was and I was interviewing for tech jobs too. So you know, you got to be a genius to look that way. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? Like you got to really be really good at. It. I'm not that good at what I do, <laughs> so I couldn't look crazy like that. You know, so. You're right. The the way I identified that somebody was really good on my team, the first day I met him, he came in his shorts and flip flops. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, they like he's been here ten years. Man's man knows his stuff. He do not care. You can do that when you when you are the best at what you do. You know, Michael Jordan can show up and just you know be wearing his his, his briefs. You know, they're like, oh, it's Mike. He's the yeah, best that we know. do it. Right. right. <laughs> you know, I don't blame people for taking advantage of it. <laughs> oh, you're a dog lover as well, right? I am. I am. I have a, have a two-year-old pit bull at home. That's my life, my heart. Okay. Mm-hmm. I saw the I saw the uh, the Facebook picture that is only of the dog. Like It's like your profile <laughs> my pic. My profile pic, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I was like, how'd this dog figure out Facebook? <laughs> <laughs> She's pretty smart. These dogs are pretty technical- technologically advanced these days. So, Yeah, my dog yelps. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about some of the mistakes that you made. Uh, did you happen to think of some mistakes that you've made along the way? Well, it was hard because I'm so perfect. Uh, you know, I do everything right. So yeah, that's why I've cool. mentioned the dog. So just in case your mistake <laughs> is bad, people love dogs more than humans. So they're like, oh, that's all right. He owns a dog. I think I've made a few mistakes. Uh, things I thought were mistakes. I, I tend to be a doer more than a thinker. I might think of something and then just act on it. And then as I'm doing it, I'm like, oh, now I'm planning it out. So <laughs> I make a lot of mistakes in my life. Um, like when I moved here, uh, for instance, I my job gave me three weeks to move here. And uh, it was a it was a it was a mess. It was a mess. And you know, I got to North Carolina. I didn't have, even have anywhere to live when I got here. I remember literally getting to North Carolina. I got a Durham. I found Durham. And I was like, okay, what now? <laughs> I was like, I didn't even plan it. You know, I didn't even really plan it. And uh, was homeless here for about a week. Uh, got in a situation where I was like renting a room from a guy. It didn't work out. We got physical. And uh, he called the police on me. And me being a good Californian, I walked out with like a piece of mail to show that I live here. But apparently North Carolina does not care uh, if you live there. So, uh, yeah, I had to leave. And it was ugly there. You know, it was ugly there. And um, but it worked out. You know, it worked out. Decided from that day on that I will never live anywhere in North Carolina where my name is not on the lease or an agreement or saying that I live there. Because apparently that's the law of North Carolina. Oh, because you just got your mail there not. Right. I wasn't on the lease. And so okay. like, I asked him, I said, well, I don't even know if he's on the lease. You know, <laughs> they didn't want to get into that. He made the call, I guess. So I was thinking that that was a big mistake, me moving here, um, leaving my comfort zone. Uh, but I survived it. And uh, it's worked out so far. So at the time, do you, you thought it was a mistake or do you think it was a mistake now? now at the time, I thought it was a huge mistake. Um, at the time, I thought I didn't really plan well. At the time, I, didn't, I thought... What the heck? You know, um, 
I, I couldn't even, I didn't even know where anything was. L.A. has no trees, so you could see city all around you. You know, I was in Nightdale, North Carolina. I, I couldn't tell where anything was. I had no idea Raleigh was, like, apparently only five minutes down the road. You know, it was just, it was a lot going on. And, uh, yeah, it was, it was a pretty rough time, you know. Uh, but I said to myself, I was like, I've lived in Baltimore. I've lived in New Jersey. I've lived in Los Angeles. I'm not going to let North, Nightdale, North Carolina, take me out. Like that. Uh, <laughs> I think I can get through this. So, uh, I actually went and stayed in a shelter for a couple of days, and, uh, and I'm grateful for it in Raleigh, and um, and uh, and somehow survived. So, yeah, it goes one of my deep dark secrets. I was homeless in North Carolina, people. So, are you like dogs so much because you got that shelter connection? <laughs> I'm sure that like, you're from a shelter. I'm from a shelter. Like I, I get you, that. man. I can, I can really bond with these dogs <laughs> on that one. That's a good one. Yeah, <laughs> I just love dogs. Dogs are just they're just genuine. Whatever they are, they are. You know, if they like you, they like you. If they love you, they love you. If they don't like you, they don't like you. There's no no phoniness to it. You know, genuineness is important. Like it. It's tough because you want people to be nice, but then in other in another way, you want people just to be themselves and just like if you don't like me, then just say it. like you don't have to be nice. Right. Like I've gotten to that point where I'd rather somebody just be like, "Yo, fuck you," and like <laughs> here we are. Guys tend to be that way. If we don't like each other, we just don't we don't go out of our way to let each other know we like each other. So, you know that yeah. we don't like each other. T- guys will tend to be like, "I just don't mess with you." This comic last night told me. He goes, I mean, I used to not like you. Yeah. But then I found out you're old, so I like you. <laughs> I was like, thank you. No you know? Thank you. Yeah. Because <laughs> it would be awkward between us because we'd see each other and we'd be sitting right next to each other in a club and a show or something. We just would not talk Stop to each talk. other. <laughs> what women tend to have that, I don't like you and I want you to know, not just know that I don't like you, but I got to. I want you to know all the reasons why I and no one else likes you. You know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I guess you're right. Like I'm indifferent to a lot of people. Like I don't right. classify people as I don't like them. It's just right. like I'm indifferent. Like right. you've done something. Now you just don't exist. Like you're you're cool. Mm-hmm. Just cut them out. Yeah, you don't got to talk to them. It's a free country. You can walk by each other. Yeah. Are you getting your southern accent on? That was very southern the way you said that. I'm just saying. Maybe I'm (laughs) tapping into my southern roots, (laughs) even though I, too, am from California. (laughs) Are you from California? I lived there a little bit when I was a kid. Is that right? What part? San Bernardino. You know what I found on the internet that made me laugh? Uh I found a, a recording of a uh, interaction you recorded in a Walmart parking lot. <laughs> you really dig it into my I, I did, but it made me laugh because it was like he's watching this go down. Like he yeah. got him some popcorn. Yeah, I know what you're talking. It's the it was the Walmart that was across the street uh, from my office when I worked in Cerritos, California. And uh, we used to just go over to that Walmart on break, just walk around the Walmart. It was always something interesting going on. And I forget that. I think somebody had spit on someone or something like that. And I was recording because I thought it was, it was really, you know, it was fitting to go down. Like, yeah. I'm like, oh, yeah, man, world star, you know. I'm gonna, <laughs> it just was oh. interesting, but it wasn't, it didn't get physical. Yeah. But we sat at that Walmart. We would go over there. There was like a TGI Fridays. We'd sit there and go over after, after work, have drinks. We've seen somebody spray paint a car. 
in that Walmart parking lot. Like to cans of spray. No, the rims. That's what it was. She she wanted white wall tires, and she spray painted all her tires white. And yeah, that's what she was. We've sat there and watched that. I've seen. They have these boulders, and cars would get the whole car gets stuck on top of the boulder. We couldn't figure out how that happened because all four wheels would be off the ground. That tweaker shit. Yeah. So there's always interesting stuff happening at that Walmart. Yeah. Whose fault was it in the video? <laughs> What's that? In the video of the guy and the lady arguing, whose fault was it? Do you remember it? I don't even remember. That was like, that had to be many years ago, eight years ago or something. Oh, man. Who I knows? Was, I just thought it was going down. I thought uh, was, at yeah. that point it was like something was going to happen. Let me know? grab my popcorn <laughs> and see, <laughs> see the drama. So after, are you still, would you classify yourself as a goer still? Like you, you say you're a goer and that sometimes gets you into trouble because you just... Go and then you. I've slowed down on that for a lot of years. I always thought I was already going to be dead. <laughs> I didn't think I was going to live this long. So a lot of my actions were like, oh, I'm going to be gone soon anyway, you know. And uh, so now at this point, I'm like, okay, you gotta. It looks like you might be here for a while. <laughs> we might need to start thinking things through a little bit better. So occasionally, I still do. Like I'm in a battle with my apartment complex. And sometimes I get just, I just go tear into them and I send the email and I, ah, I don't know, like, that could be considered a threat. You know, <laughs> you know like, so occasionally I still do. I told them I would come there and fuck them <laughs> right, up. Right. That might be considered a threat. <laughs> I will whoop your ass and everybody in the ass's office. I'm burning your office down. <laughs> Send. I wonder if that was a threat. Or not. I wonder if that was it. <laughs> It's not a threat if you say, this ain't a threat, it's a promise. Right. I ain't threatening nobody. I, I tend to now, um, I've been a lot better at it. Uh, you know, I definitely have gotten a lot better at taking a beat, thinking about something, you know, before I say something. Uh, in my job, I've been there uh, like 12, 13 years. And my first, I don't know, six or seven years, I was always loud, trying to tell them what was wrong. It became obvious to me no one cares. So now I'm very comfortable at just sitting back and just, even if I hear the stupidest ideas, and I do, I just, I just shut up. You know, I just let it rock. It just let it ride. My life has been immensely better since there, since then. So I've been better, become better at holding my tongue, taking action on things, not getting on Facebook while drunk. Um, you know, not not responding to everything everybody says all the time, you know. Uh, so, yeah, I've gotten better. But I think a large part of that is now that I'm in North Carolina, I have no family here. My circle of friends is very small here. So um, there's the amount of help or resources I have are, are, are very limited. So before when I was around family and friends and, you know, I could fail and, you know, I had somebody to fall back on. I don't have that here. So I've had to kind of grow up a little bit, be like, okay, start acting accordingly, you know, start thinking about what I'm doing. You about to say something? Looking at the bigger picture. Yeah. Yeah. And now I have a dog. It's not just me. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's another life I'm responsible for. <laughs> Can't threaten your landlord when you have a dog. <laughs> Unless you're holding the dog. <laughs> so it's. <laughs> so I was mad once because they just refused to fix my apartment. And then finally when they do, they didn't even announce it. Like, I come home from work and I walk around. All of a sudden I see there's a note on my counter. The maintenance man had been there. And I looked down at my dog like, 
You didn't take a bite out of his ass? Like, you let people just walk in our home? This is your one job. <laughs> yeah. This is it. You got to pay rent around here. That, <laughs> that's that was crazy. payment due. <laughs> pay rent with protection. <laughs> so now my fear is somebody might just break in and steal my dog because apparently she. Don't care. Yeah, she's not. She's no threat whatsoever. Uh, so. Yeah. yeah, my dog is more just an alarm. Mm. Like, she'll bark, and then that, then I know somebody's. Right. Like near the porch or something. Right. She's not gonna bite anybody. Right. 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 Thank God. Yeah, she's probably gonna go back to sleep. She did her part. Like, <laughs> I'll let you know he was in the house. <laughs> she will kill your dog though. She does not do other dogs. Oh, is that right? Yeah. Oh my goodness. What kind of dog is it? She is a. a she's like an American dingo. Okay. And she was attacked when she was a puppy. Uh-huh. Uh, so she said, "Never again." Never. She again. has a chip on her shoulder. Yeah, yes. Never again. Never be bullied again. That's right. Um, so, have you been burned before from jumping? Like, can you tell me about some of the times that you've been burned from using your just go personality? I, I have too many examples, and I'm trying to think of one that I would want to tell. I don't know. I have. Uh, I, I once. I once moved. Just got just moved was like all right i'm I'm sick of living here i'm gonna move somewhere else i want to move into like north hollywood and um contrary to what the name sounds like it's nothing related to hollywood there's nothing hollywood like about north hollywood um (laughs) and so moved into an apartment where apparently um the rival gangs were fighting over the apartment building, which I didn't understand why they wanted control over that apartment building. Uh, it was nothing but like a lot of immigrant people with babies. I, I didn't understand what they were going to get from the apartment building. And, um, and I had a bit of a substance. I had a, I had a substance abuse problem there and I was doing a lot of, a lot of cocaine. And, um, so all my judgment was off. And then I befriended some gangsters to procure my cocaine from. Uh, it just it was just a mess, you know. And all that was because, you know, my life was so out of control. I thought just moving and moving and moving would solve some problems. They wound up, I had to wind up leaving that apartment, you know. They knew that place because a lot of craziness went down. Uh, um, that was a time. And there's a lot of situations related to that. A lot of alcohol. A lot of decisions made based on me being under the influence of alcohol. I uh, made a lot of stupid decisions there. Um, uh, specifically, I, I once changed job locations and had no game plan. You know, like I was still with the company. I just wanted to move to a different location. I was working for a retailer. And moved up the street to another job location. That didn't work out, obviously. You know, um, kind of like the, the decision to take the position here in North Carolina was a big leap. Um, you know, moving across country, um, not really knowing what to get into. You know, I have a lot of faith in God, and He's always He's always been there to protect me. But you know, like they say, faith without works is dead. So, yeah. you know, I, I'm not tempting him <laughs> anymore yeah. you know so uh, if that makes any sense uh, is, is he telling you to chill out a little bit i think god's giving uh, me the uh he's like i always have your back but you know even you could be a bit much exactly yeah, exactly yeah yeah, it's, yeah it's like if you have a boy that talks a lot of shit and you're right. like all right i got your back <laughs> but you talking shit to the biggest baddest dude <laughs> right, in school like right, right, right i don't think how's this gonna turn out bro right right you know so um and then being short and black my whole life i've always had a chip on my shoulders i've i've 
up until a point, I was a fighter. You know, I don't have much fight in me now, and I don't seek seek out fighting. But yeah, I've, I've my whole life was always based on if I felt you disrespected me in some way, and you know, being short, being black, I always thought that you know everyone was disrespecting me. You know, so. So the dreads had nothing to do with Jamaica and one love and being chill and relaxed. No, no, I was literally just lazy. I just didn't want to do my hair anymore. Like literally had dreads and just let it go. And then, you know, oh, and then there was a time. Yeah, that there was a time when the Dave Chappelle show was doing the Little John thing. And so I was in school at the time. There's these guys on campus and I heard them. They, they were referring to me by going, yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I look like I look like the Little John guy, you know. And so I got into it with them, you know. So, yeah. Um, like, hindsight is like, all right, you recognize they were just making a joke, but. I, but, yeah. Back you know. then, you're like, fuck that. Yeah, man. let's ride. <laughs> let's do this. Let's do it. <laughs> you want to fight? Let's <laughs> right, right. Just took off on them. And took should. off on them and kept walking. That was the crazy part. <laughs> you should have put on Little John as you fought them. <laughs> Snap your fingers. I felt extremely disrespected by that. So. <laughs> um, but yeah, I you know, um, hmm. what brought about this calmer uh, Kyrie? Like, uh... um, so I had a fiance that died, and when she died, I kind of went through a crazy phase. Went, I had a lot of craziness that went on with me. And I was, that was a time when I moved probably like five or six times. I'd move into an apartment. And, I'd be like, and I remember I would like break leases and nobody even batted an eye. There's nothing on my credit report. Like, I, would like, I would leave a beautiful, beautiful one-bedroom apartment. And I'm like, nah, forget this. And then I'd move into an efficiency for like $30 less. And then I'd be there like, I can't stay in this. It's like all one room. No, you know. And I'd leave there like after a month. And then I'd go to another place. I'd stay there. Like, so I moved a lot. So is that just one of those rules that like it's there but totally breakable? I don't know because I think a couple of them, I left furniture. Like I left it fully furnished. I would leave fully furnished apartments. Like I would literally just be like, no, I'm not doing this. And I'd leave like, except for the TV, I'd leave the bed the frame a desk this that the other and like maybe they just figured oh well we, we could sell it rent it as a Let's plop the open house right, sign right <laughs> ready to go so at one point i wound up in a neighborhood you probably never heard of called cutahay uh cutahay it's a it's a it's a very small neighborhood but um i was driving around had road rage and i was in a convertible and i'm a black guy and it's all latino neighborhood and i'm chasing this car threatening to Kill him and his whole family, the whole thing, just the whole road rage is going. While down. you're in the car, while I'm in the car, okay. a convertible, and I and I, with the drunks say they call it a moment of clarity. All of a sudden, it just hit me. I was like, "What the hell are you doing? What the hell? You're, you're road raging because I don't even remember why. If they cut me, I don't remember what they did, and and that just led to a whole like slew of me like reviewing every instance of my life of all the things. And I was like, wait a minute, it hasn't been everybody else. It's been me this whole time. You know, <laughs> like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I'm the only, like, the the main factor in all this. And uh, and and I hear that, I hear people get better after that. It led to an even deeper depression, realizing that everything I did in my life had been wrong up until that point. You know, this, that, the other. Maybe I was being a little bit more dramatic about it than I wanted to be, or I should have been. 
Uh, but then after that, I came out of that really having a new view on life. Like, I need to make some changes. So I started making changes in my life. Um, but, yeah, it was, a, it was one of those moments where I was just like, man, wait a minute. I, it, would, it was a good, solid, I don't know, I want to say a year where I was just reviewing every moment, every <laughs> instant of my life. And, and it was miserable. And it was a it was a dark place to be in. And so instead of living in that, I was like, well, all I can really do is what can I do going forward? And uh, and so I try not to uh, really live in the past too much, uh, but try not to do anything currently that I'm going to regret later. And that's more important. That makes sense. I feel like recognizing that moment, like if you're on uh downspin recognizing that moment where you're like i am yelling at a three-year-old like i'm yelling at a three-year-old how did i get to this point this is not this is clearly not okay so something has led me here like or i am with someone that i don't like or like i feel like so many people miss out on that moment of clarity and they just keep going past it right but you know it deep down you're like what the fuck am i doing at this very second it was one of those moments i couldn't I couldn't ignore, and I couldn't, um, I don't know, I dwelled on it for a while. You know, it's really, it's really, when, <laughs> when other people were telling you the truth, you could deny it all day, right? If somebody yeah. tells you, dude, you got you got mustard on your nose. You're like, man, get the hell out of here, right? Yeah. And you're like, third person tells you, you got mustard on your nose, but then you go in the mirror, and you see mustard on your nose. You're like, holy shit, I have mustard on my nose. And then you realize, man, people have been telling me I have mustard on my nose this whole time. And had I just listened to the first person, and that's kind of how it was, was that, you know, I had signs. and People were trying to help me my whole life, but I was such a know-it-all and such a the center of the universe that I really, I really thought I had my shit going on. Just nobody understood me, you know. And when I realized, like, no, you really don't have your shit together. Uh, you're a hot mess. And that's okay if you just work on it. And what I was grateful for was the opportunity to be able to um, to recognize it and and work on it because it could have just as easily gone the other way because some people find comfort in misery. You know, I could have just walked around, just been all kinds of miserable about it. And like then just been that guy who just you don't understand. I just, you know, I, I got a hard life, you know, and that's just not the case. So. Um, I, I, I just took it as an, an opportunity because I was either going to go crazy or kill myself. And um, as a Christian, I really don't, I don't like to be in that place where you think you might want to kill yourself. You know, that's, yeah. then you got to start talking. And God, yeah. like, God, God, you really don't understand. I know you made the rule, right? But. Right. So I took it as an opportunity to start improving uh, myself, and, and it wasn't like I was going to change everything. Just really how I talk to people because I was an asshole. I was a jerk the way I talked to people and uh, the way I, you know, this mostly interacted with people was a lot of my problems. So did you, um, uh, was this when you stopped uh, drugs and alcohol? No. Um, or like Coke? Uh, well, this is after I hadn't, I, I went through off and on with cocaine, you know, as a kid, I, I never seek cocaine out, but once, once it was presented, you know, it was like, oh, well, hell, you know, I you bring it to the party, right, right? but I wouldn't like go walk the streets looking for it, you know what I mean? Uh, but no, this was after all that. I was just basically, I was just drinking, but I was drinking a lot at that time. I was drinking a lot. And, um, and 
uh, yeah, and I think I think God gave me that moment to be like, you know, you got to make some changes. And I'd like to say it's happened before, but this time it took. You know, this time it took. And um, at that time, I had stopped doing comedy. Uh, I, I bombed one too many times, not realizing that's just part of the... Nobody cares, really, if you bomb. You're the only one that cares about bombing, you know. And just life was like just going down a dark spiral. So uh, I'm very grateful, though, that I was able to use that opportunity and still be here and still be okay with not being okay. You know what yeah. I mean? It's okay that I'm not perfect, but I don't have to be an asshole either, you know. Are you willing to go on record and say to our little mistakers that if you're in a convertible – and you're chasing down a Mexican family to cuss them out on the road. It's time to reevaluate your it's time life. Let's try to look at what's really going on here, you know? Uh, that's that's your wake-up call. You should just enjoy being in the convertible. Yeah. You know, the point of the convertible is enjoy being in the convertible, not not use it as a, as a terror uh, vehicle. Um, yeah, I just, you know, I, that's the one thing about... You know, they always use that example of uh, Thomas Edison, right? He It took him 1,500 different times before he came up with the right filament for the light bulb, right? And we're human beings, so I'm assuming we are. And so, you know, we're not perfect and we need to, it's what we do with our mistakes. I think that really makes us the person that we are, you know, if we... If I sit here and dwell on my mistakes or continue to keep making the same mistakes or I don't learn from them, uh, that's a much bigger impact on me than just making the mistake itself. Well, the way you describe your life, um, the way you describe your life, it seems like you've always been a hard worker. You might have uh, jumped the gun a little bit, but you seem like a hard worker. Do you think like an unexpected death, like your fiance's unexpected death, like do you think it... I guess, okay, to start my question over, I'm going to edit out all the filibuster that I said before, <laughs> is what would you tell yourself after your fiance's death uh, to, like, if you could go back in time? Grieve honestly. Grieve honestly. Um, I don't know. It's tough for, it was tough for me to be honest about my feelings about what was going on. People would say, how are you doing? I'd be like, I'm fine. And I was fucking far from fine. Uh, just grieve honest. I mean, I went through a counselor and I only lasted two sessions because I had nothing to talk about, which was ironic. You know what I mean? So grieve honestly, you know, um, I think that would have, I don't know what it would have done, but you know, may have, may have changed things. Okay. Mm -hmm. yeah. That sounds good. Cause it's like, you're expected to be sad at that point. And a lot of people, when they're going through something, they they don't do the thing that it's okay to do. Like, it's okay to be sad, you know, something. Sometimes, you know what, if you want to just lay in bed and cry, it, it, it's, 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 it's an anti-guy thing to do. You know, we're expected to just pick up, you know, after the service, I decided I was just going to go back to normal life. That's, oh, here was a situation that happened when all that was going on. That was ironic. Um, I had bought a car. And from the sleaziest car dealer, like this guy was literally like a sleazy, like he literally had the plaid, plaid jacket on, but I didn't read the signs, right? I didn't read the signs. And again, buying it from the same finance company that owned the damn car dealership. Always a good idea, you know? And so I bought the car 
And I bought it way out in the desert too. Like that should have been another sign. Like way out in the desert. Place advertised like no license to see a just walk up with some cash. <laughs> no, I didn't even put money down. That was it. Nothing. Nothing. I walked off with a car, right? Beautiful. Volvo C, uh, C70. And so I get Sleaze back. 70. A Sleaze uh, 70. Mm-hmm. I get the car back. Then my fiance dies. And the like the day or two after like, I'm getting ready to leave for the airport, the Sleaze car salesman hits me up and goes, you know what? We couldn't get you that deal uh, that we promised. I, was like, well, I literally just... You have the contracts. It's, what do you mean? You could, ah, we couldn't get it at that price. We had to pay. You're gonna have to pay a little bit more. So okay. So I remember I flew. I was flying to Baltimore for the funeral. I put the keys in a. I FedExed them to him. And I left my car with no gas at my office, which was like 100 miles from his dealership. So I sent him the keys. I was like, look, you can come pick the car up anytime you want. Yeah. So like, wait a minute. Wait a minute. And he's like, all of a sudden now you can give me a better deal than the one I actually signed. <laughs> um. Outside of that, there was nothing else good to happen from that <laughs> my fiance passing. But um, yeah, just you know, I, I don't know. Grief hits people, everybody in different ways, and I didn't want to seem to be not a guy. You know, I didn't want to just lay at home crying, even though that's what I wanted to do. I didn't want to be like bust out crying when I saw people, even though that's what I, I stopped. I didn't listen to music probably for five years after that, ironically. So there was a lot of things you know so i don't know the advice i give to anybody just you gotta do whatever you gotta do to survive you know i can't everybody's different you know what i mean like yeah. i couldn't tell somebody who lost a child how to grieve that's a completely different grief you know so yeah speaking of which women are always like there's nothing more painful than giving birth to a child mm-hmm. losing a child is probably more painful I would imagine different, <laughs> different types of pain. This is a premise I was writing last night. Me and a buddy of mine actually literally lost a child once. Uh, we literally, uh, <laughs> I can tell the story because he's dead now, but um, <laughs> he had just had. Like, the child or your. No, my buddy. <laughs> not the child. I think I know. The child's alive. A uh, buddy of mine, uh, we, uh, and I don't know if Tree was going to hear this. You might not have ever heard this story, but. Uh, they had like their fifth kid. It was like a couple months old. I was visiting, we're hanging out, we we'd go to Rite Aid. We're like, yeah, we're going to Rite Aid. We're chopping it up inside Rite Aid. We both look at each other at the same time. We're like, fuck. <laughs> we run out. We have stuff in our hands. We run out. Security guards chasing us out of the store. We had left this kid in the car. <laughs> and like, thank God. I mean, there, he was there and everything. But we literally lost a child. So that happens. What can you do? What can you do? It's nobody's fault. Nobody's fault. No one to blame at that point. No one at all. <laughs> uh, my niece almost set the house on fire when I was babysitting her. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, she, well, that's an exaggeration. But she told me she was making me peanut butter. And I was like, what does that mean? And apparently she put, well, not apparently, she put the peanut butter in the microwave. And it caught on fire because you got the aluminum like lining or whatever. And it caught on fire. Wait, she put the jar of peanut butter. She in put there? the whole entire jar in there. And the thing was, I heard her messing in the kitchen. So it's like, am I? I think I may not be a great babysitter. Because I was like, oh, she's having fun in the kitchen. I'll let her do. I'll let her rock. I don't want to stop her creativity. Whatever she's in there doing. So what would you say that like you've learned from? Because it seems like you've had uh, ups and downs. What have you learned through all this? Like overall. Life is ups and downs. That's that's life, literally. Um, 
I've learned not to take either one too seriously. You know, I'm not, I don't relish in the good times and I don't spend too much bad time in the bad times. You know, it just kind of, uh, now that I don't take things as seriously or, you know, um, you don't care about being called little John. I don't, I honestly don't. <laughs> I don't. The, the amount of stuff I literally care about is like, you know, very, it's a short list, you know, and, 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 and I'm not the center of the universe. You know what I mean? doesn't, you know, I don't. I don't think everyone cares like, like what I do. So, yeah, I just, I've, I've learned to kind of take, to chill out a little bit more. Um, but yeah, you know, you just got, you know, last life, uh, it's up and down for everyone. You know, not everybody, I've had, I have good quality first moral problems. So, like, I, I'm okay with that. You know, I've been blessed with good health. I've been blessed with, to have good people around me. I, I live a drama-free life, so... You know, that's 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 what's important. I, I have a roof over my head. I loving dog. I go home and relax because I'm a homebody. So I try not to have a whole bunch of drama going on. But that's what I've learned from life is like it happens. I mean, shit happens in life. You know, uh, Christmas, Christmas Eve, I got a flat tire driving to Baltimore. You know, I didn't I didn't stress. I didn't panic. I didn't lose my mind. I just drove all through that little town. With a flat tire, trying to find somebody to replace my tire, you know. But yeah, I just try not to stress too much over it all, you know. But then when the good times come, like when I get that bonus check, <laughs> I try not to be too excited about it. You know what I mean? Like I've learned not to make too many plans. You know, uh, like if I know I'm coming into some, like I got a check coming up there, it's nothing needs to be paid for. I'm like, I just don't even make plans because something always comes up. Yeah. You yeah. Know? Uh, speaking of Baltimore, is uh, Lavar Jackson going to get it done? I believe so. Okay. I hope so. I mean, not just him, but the whole team. You the know? whole team. He's not the whole team. Yeah, I mean, he can only do what he does because we have a phenomenal team around him. You know, the defense is hungry. They're incredible. Special teams have been fairly flawless. That's not the right term. Yeah, flawless. Yeah, yeah flawless. They have, they've been fairly. They've played steady. So the whole team as a whole, because his numbers are, his numbers are uniquely incredible. Because he doesn't throw for three hundred yards, but he'll get five touchdowns somehow, five throwing touchdowns. You know, uh, but then he will only throw for like one hundred and twenty-five yards. You know what I mean? So he can only do that because, and he's he does a great job of not turning the ball over, but he can only do that because the rest of the team is just playing amazing lights out football so uh i'm looking forward to it i i I hope he doesn't make the pro bowl so because he's in the super bowl okay yeah you're a lakers fan as well not so much i'm not a basketball fan i think it's because i'm only three apples high so um i'm i don't something about i don't really like basketball okay yeah but if i had to choose a team it probably would be the lakers yeah. They're playing lights out basketball right now. That's why so I hear. They might go all the way. That's why I hear. Finally, like, all of a sudden now, everybody who's, like, you know, doubting LeBron being there and calling all kind of this, that, the third. Oh, uh, he is destroying people right now. He's LeBron. You know, I'm more of a golf fan, ironically. So, uh, it's the beginning of the golf season right now, so I'm looking forward to that. Um, so, we have this part. Uh, we like to get our guests to give a little speech. Go oh. Yeah, we want to put you on the spot. <laughs> a speech regarding? Uh, it'll be a motivational speech. Oh, my goodness. Like, based off some of the things that you've learned. 
let's say you're giving a TED talk. Andrew and I are in the crowd. We have our lighters in the air. Um. <laughs> uh, if I were to be able to speak to you two, to your hearts, uh, I'd say don't be afraid to make mistakes. Don't be afraid to live your life. You'll get a chance to keep doing it. You know, nothing. I haven't found anything that I've done so far that's been so insurmountable that I haven't been able to get over. Uh, but don't be afraid, you know, especially in your youth to, to try it. I mean, you guys are doing it. You guys said I'm going to do a podcast and you guys have a nice setup here, you know. Uh, but don't be afraid to, to, to try and go for your dreams. Um, people are living their dreams out every day. You know, some, some, some of those dreams are to become movie stars. Some of those dreams are to become millionaires. Some of those dreams are just become a teacher, a firefighter, or a good parent, a good mom, a good dad, you know. So don't be afraid to do it, you know. Um, and don't ever give up. That's, I think that's the most important thing. That's like the most American thing there is. Like, just you can do, we are blessed to be in a, in a, a time and a place where we can do whatever you want. You know, so you have an opportunity to do whatever you want. So just go for it. I like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, go for it. Be go a good parent. It. Be a good parent. Be a good Dream about being a good parent. Because we always talk about dreams like, you know, because in America. Yeah. Right. What, what's what's the dream in America to be? Well, now it's to be a YouTube sensation. Right. Celebrity obsessed. Some celebrity. Something so unattainable for 99.99% of the people is that's the dream. But there are people out there, uh, and we know them, we are them, whose dream is to finish college, whose dream is to just support themselves, you know. Their dream is to be just a good person, you know. So it doesn't necessarily, we don't have to dream, I don't think we have to have a dream, but it doesn't always have to be so grandiose that it's like, you know. Well, there are shitty parents out there who should maybe write their, their, their in their dream notebook. Like, I dream of not re- overreacting when my kid comes home with homework. Look, be I patient. Have, I don't have kids that I take care of, um, but what I can tell you is that parenthood uh, it's it's a crazy thing. Watching my friends go through it, you know. Um, there's no. I think now they make you watch a video kind of before you leave the hospital with the baby. But that's it. That's like all they do. They like give you a video, wash the baby every once in a while, feed it, it out. Yeah, feed it, and here you go. Like you need more to drive a car. You need more to own a home. There's more paperwork involved with owning a home than there is with having a kid. So, you know, parents. They, it's it's wild. And I've seen my friends who have with their first kid. And my buddy was like, look. No one's going to touch my kid. They're not going to kiss him. You can't come in there if you smell like cigarettes. He had all these rules. All these rules. They got to their second kid. He calls me up. He got to the second kid. I show up. He hands me both their kids. <laughs> he just needed a break. He was like, here you go. You, you want to hold them? Like, oh. So, you know, being a parent, I can only, can't imagine. Me either, man. You don't get to take breaks unless you like schedule it. Like you have to, you have to find someone that you pay or have right. a good enough relationship with to watch your kid right. when you go out. And then they, you only have a limited amount of time. Like you have to let the person know when you're going to be back. Right, right, right. <laughs> that was a good motivational speech. What do you have going on? Like, uh, what are some of the things you got coming up this year? Not much. Uh, I, I'm, I'm hoping to do a little traveling. So I wouldn't mind doing. Uh, I've I've only left the country to go to Mexico, so I'm hoping to branch out a little bit more, uh, doing some more. Hopefully, do some more comedy, and um, 
visit family, but I'm I'm really kind of, to be honest, just trying to get my finances together, try to put myself in a better position next year, and you know, not necessarily live paycheck to paycheck. You know, maybe I hear there's a thing called a savings account. I've only heard of this. Might try to get one of those. Now that I self-identify as a six foot five white man with perfect credit, so hey, he is. Yeah, I pro- you need me to Photoshop your uh, the promo for this. We can keep this up. <laughs> no, I, right now I'm I'm good where I'm at. Right okay. now I'm good where I'm at. I'm you got the dog for the profile. Right. Pic. Like, they may never know. <laughs> they may never know. All you do is change my name to like Kyle. Yeah, you know, not Kareem Kyle. Oh, that yeah, Kareem. Not gonna work. Right. <laughs> Reed may not work. <laughs> uh, one thing I, I do like about your comedy is you, even if it isn't with the scope of how comedy's going, your your thought process is well thought out. Like you're like, this is my punchline, these are my jokes, and here's why this works. This is well thought out, even if it goes against the grain. I appreciate that. Yeah. I appreciate that. Yeah, I tend to i I get a lot of inspiration from real life. I find, I mean, I, I listen to talk radio a lot. And the stuff that's going on in the world just cracks me up. I mean, just like cracks me up. I mean, you know, no matter what side of the political scope you're on, you got to admit right now it's a a pretty fucking crazy time in politics. It is. The guy who accused the former president of not even being an American (laughs) is now the president of the United (laughs) States. Yeah, you just gotta sit back and laugh. It's just, it's just, it's a great time to be a yeah. comedian. Yeah, you know. So a lot of my stuff, I don't even write. You know, I like just, I just read. I just tell you guys about it. Like this is what's going on in the world. You know, uh, but you do have to put a punchline in there. Which I, I obsess over. That's one of the things I'm working on now, and I've gotten inspiration from other comedians in the area. Um, there's some comedians that inspired me to try to be a little bit more improvisational. With it, because I can be pretty strict about okay, I'm writing this joke out. I gotta tell it exactly this way. And don't get me wrong, for shows that's a great thing to do. I've been trying to be a little bit more loose during the mics and just try to see where the energy flows with it. Because as you guys know, it's 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 to get up on stage in front of people was terrifying enough. But then to not have control over it is one of those things that I'm working on. Sometimes you. I can't always have control over everything because even when I think I'm controlling it, if something happens out there that's out of my control, then I'm at a loss. You know what I mean? Because I wanted to go, look, I'm just going to tell this joke. You're going to laugh here. Then I'm going to tell the next part of the joke. You're going to laugh here. And then I'm going to do the punchline. There's going to be a huge laugh right here. (laughs) And if it doesn't go that way, which obviously it always does go that way, which it doesn't, you know, so I'm trying to be a little bit more loose on stage and, you know, and be okay with them not laughing too. <laughs> yeah. I like to call it the uh, the staged pause. Mm-hmm. So like you can tell someone is really strict in how they tell a joke is if they expect a laugh at a certain point, it doesn't happen, and they you can see that pause. We're like, <laughs> yep, you were supposed to laugh here. <laughs> Don't know what to do. <laughs> I just stay mm-hmm. quiet, dude. Uh-huh. Sometimes I'll just pause extra long. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm like, look, you made this awkward. You could have laughed. It's not my fault. Yeah, so now we're sitting here. Y'all are in in timeout right now for not laughing. And that's the thing about comedy is that... um, But if you pause long enough, no matter what you say next, we'll get a laugh. That's a little secret. Hmm. I I think that's what I enjoy about doing it here in Raleigh-Durham, Chapel Hill. There's really no, no pressure. 
There's no expectation. It's not like it's not like I think I'm going to get famous or rich doing comedy in Durham and Chapel Hill and Raleigh. I have no expectations of that. Uh, and you can just be yourself, and you can see some generally funny people, entertaining people. L.A. There was always like, who's in the audience? Is this going to be? Am I funny enough to be with these people? It was like a permanent competition. Uh, maybe that's just the way I saw it, you know. And uh, I enjoy doing it a lot more here than I did out there, you know, a lot more. It's just a lot more relaxing here. Yeah, I have a friend who lives out there, and he was telling me no one was really talking to him until he. But then he got like a certain accolade. And then he said people were coming out of the woodworks to say, hey, how's it going? How are you doing? That's exactly what I, they don't, you're not, to an extent, you know, they hold off on the, you know, until they say, hey, 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 hey. But there was a club owner out there. He owns this club. I won't mention the name. Ha ha's. Um, (laughs) And so he, he befriends every new comic. So he wants to be on the ground floor. So when I first showed up, hey, buddy, buddy, yeah. He's like, you really, this guy's really friendly. One of my friends is like, man, he's really friendly. He does that because he was. But then as soon as he finds out you're not funny, then, then he does the opposite. Then he unfriends you. You know? Okay. So he, he gets in on the ground floor when you first walk in the door. He's like, hey, buddy, buddy, hey, hey, you should do this, you should do that, this, that, that. And then once he realizes, like, you have no chance, then he's like, <laughs> he, he cuts off ties, you know? He wants to be the guy that you first, he, he found Dave Chappelle because Dave Chappelle did a joke at his comedy club first. Right. Right. Uh, right. Okay, he's out there planting seeds. Right. I'm cool right. with it, right. you know? But your friend is correct. It's, it's, but that's the way it is, you know. Yeah. It's, it's the way it is in New York, probably. Yeah. You know, Chicago. I can imagine it's just it's, the comedy scene there is super clickish, you know. So it's kind of that way here too, you know. Kind of like you now, people don't really want to associate themselves with a comic who not just isn't funny, but continues not to be funny or continues to be what they are i don't know but you know as what i noticed was i started making more and more friends in the comedy scene here uh the more and more i just kept going at it and put effort into it and then people were like okay this guy he's a little strange but you know he's okay you know and so i started making friends i think it's just like anything else but la is just magnified a billion times you know so Uh, they yeah they want to hang out with People who are putting in the work. So, I get it. And it's a super... And it's not just because... You have to say, there it's it's magnified because you have people who are not just there to do the acting. People have moved there to be sound people. People have moved there to be camera people. People have moved there to be editors or whatever. It's just part of the industry. So, they're always looking for that next person who's got that project that they can work on. You know, it's just a huge networking thing. And I completely understand. That's the way you have to be. You know, you kind of got to put yourself out. Nobody's going to broadcast for you. Nobody's going to advertise you for you. So, I get it. And that was the second part of the comedy thing I never got. I wasn't, I was never that guy to be like, oh, can you book me for your show? Or, And I think I need to be that way a little bit more. You know, be like, hey, if you got a show coming up, book me. By the way, if you have a show coming up, book me. (laughs) Um, So, and that's how it is, you know, because it it takes it takes a village to make a comedian. I guess I don't know, but yeah, yeah. And it's good if your buddies get accolades out there and they're they're putting them on. That's that's awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. Mm -hmm. 
Um, so give your final uh, spill. What like if you look into the camera, what you want to say to the people, and then Andrew and I will wrap up. Hey, look, I just want to say thank you very much for having me. I really appreciate it. Uh, I have no idea if I said anything that made any sense, uh, but I really hope everybody has a wonderful 2020. And come out and see me perform if I ever perform somewhere. And let's uh, let's have some fun and laugh at each other. He's leaving you hanging. You don't know if he's going to perform or not. That's what the greats do. <laughs> oh, what do you want to leave the people with? By the way, check my swivel game. That is that, so good. That's on point. Andrew so sent me a message, a long message in the middle of the night, which we still sharp and steel, so it's cool with it. He's like, you got to fix your mic game. I was editing a podcast, and the volume was just up, down, up. And I was like, I can't do this, man. I was like, thank you. I did not know that was an issue. So, uh, I enjoyed this episode. Um, I, I feel like I, I learned a lot about you. And turns out we have a lot in common. I I lost my temper one time because I had these college kids calling me Dolly Parton because I used to have big titties. <laughs> um, that's not true. That. <laughs> but uh, you can follow me on Instagram, uh, TikTok, Twitter at Andrew Gleason NC. Follow Humor and Mistakes, Humor dot Mistakes on Instagram. And I am Donovan McNeil, and you can find me on I Keep It McReal. You can find me on Facebook, anywhere. Uh, if you like this podcast, please subscribe. Remember, everybody makes mistakes, but it's okay. Thank you, Kyrie, for coming out. And uh, we out. Thank you for listening to the podcast all the way through. If you've enjoyed this, please like and subscribe, or just let us know what we can do to improve your listening experience. Thank you, little mistakers. <laughs>